0: Hi Mayank, uh, how was uh, last week for you?
1: Hi Krishna, so given the circumstances, it's tough, uh, but we're surviving and trying to figure out and learn t- new things. Uh, I attended a session recently uh, where uh, sort of uh, we, I Suresh Doshi was speaking and got to learn a little more about what he does and uh, had some very good learnings around it. Uh, how was yours?
0: Mine was quite hectic. It's been uh, quite busy in office. Um, In fact, because of uh, COVID, there are a couple of people who are sick. So everyone is trying to cover up for everyone else. So it's been uh, quite a tough uh, week. Anyway, so what are we discussing today?
1: Uh, okay, so I think um, think the natural follow up uh, to what we discussed in the last, last podcast, uh, primarily discussing who is a product manager and what are the key responsibilities. Uh, so I think it's sort of uh, uh, we we would we should definitely give a sneak peek to our listeners on what a day or a week or a month looks like in a product manager's life and to go a little uh, deep on the ground level and maybe help them imagine uh, and get them in in a PM's shoes and what are the things that they end up doing on a regular basis so that they understand the role a little better and uh, they can make an informed decision on, okay, uh, does these things or activities excite them? And uh, is it something that they imagine how it would be or is it drastically different from what they thought? So Perfect. that's the Perfect. agenda today.
0: So can we pick up an example where people can relate to? Uh, probably, um, can you take an example of a PM who is working in a cab aggregator company? and then just walk us through the activities uh, which a PM would have to go through?
1: Uh, Absolutely. I think it makes sense because I think uh, the customers generally experience or have used a cab uh, somewhere. um, I think before lockdown, they would have used it very often. I think they will be able to relate to that uh, situation as well. Uh, So primarily, I think uh, what we can think of or how I would like to start is uh, overall, give them a sneak peek on what are the different activities uh, uh, on a higher level, and then we can take a a specific problem and then go a little deep and we can talk more about uh, how to sort of uh, uh, build a case and uh, henceforth. Got it. Uh, heard. So overall, I think uh, the primary uh, role that we discussed in the last podcast uh, was the product manager's job is to deliver value to their customers and build a viable business uh, uh, simultaneously. Uh, for that to happen, uh, I think the primary uh, question or the uh, activity that the product manager is supposed to do is to uh, build hypothesis and identify problems in a customer's life. And there are multiple ways of approaching it, but the primary thing that a product uh, that uh, uh, you have to do is uh, do user research, uh, talk to your customers, uh, identify the problem or build a hypothesis that that will sort of get you up and going once you've built a hypothesis or identified a problem, you uh, figure out what is the size of the problem? Uh, is it worth solving or not? Uh, then uh, you sort of get into the market research uh, uh, area where you figure out if someone else is, what is the competition doing, and if someone else in the industry or in other industries have solved a similar problem and how are people responding to it, what are the learnings from that area or that uh, uh, approach. Uh, then once you sort of ha- are confident, say, okay, this is something which is worth pitching to the uh, higher management, you build a case. Uh, Build a business case and then pitch it to your manager and your uh, chief product officer and the CEO eventually and give them an idea of saying, okay, why is this uh, uh, good enough or a big enough problem worth solving and why should they actually give a sign off to uh, invest in engineering bandwidth and uh, the resources of the company in the problem that you have come up with. And then once that sign-off comes, uh, you basically end up doing documentation, uh, doing user res- you, user experience research by prototyping, working with the design teams. And then you basically interact with the engineering teams where you uh, give them a handover to them. And then you work on uh, getting the product out uh, to the customers and uh, doing a go-to-market, uh, building a go-to-market strategy and then getting it out to the market. And then doing a retro on what went wrong, what went right, and then learning from the experiences. So those are the overall, on a broader level, those are the activities that a product manager does. Not exactly in a day, but it can be at a certain frequency where some things you will do on a day level, some things you will do on a week level or a month level or a quarterly level as well. So that's how uh, a product manager's life looks like in a company.
0: Got it. So in other words, what I see is uh, it is a problem identification and you uh, come out with a hypothesis, uh, validate that hypothesis, get management commitment to build products around it, build requirements, then execute the requirements through engineering or whoever is required and then uh, test it out in the field. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Right. Excellent. Yes, absolutely right. So let's, let's pick up a specific problem uh, which you think, could happen in the current scenario and then let's uh, walk the listener through the different phases.
1: Oh, got it, got it. So, so let's take a situation where uh, you are a PM at a cab aggregator company uh, and you are responsible for the driver experience. So, that is your primary goal is to help drivers have the best experience with your company and so that they stay with you for a long time. So, I think the driver retention would be a primary goal uh, as a product manager for you and Uh, The digital products from a so uh, when you say what are the key products that you'll be working on would be the primary driver app, uh, which is basically used by the drivers uh, which are associated with the company and when you think of what what all journeys or what all uh, flows workflows uh, will the driver app be uh, will be comprising of uh, you would basically see uh, when when say a customer books a cab uh, the driver is either either going to accept or reject or cancel the journey so that's the primary journey or the primary use case of the driver app uh, which is very core Uh, that he or she should be able to accept uh, uh, rides or reject the rights or cancel reject or say uh, handle cancellations as well Uh, next is uh, payouts which is or the earnings on the app which basically helps them keep a track of uh, how much money have they earned and how much money has been credited to their bank accounts which is again because that's what they work for so that becomes a very core part to it This would sort of also include uh, other incentives uh, where you sort of incentivize them for good behavior or doing more work, uh, etc, etc. So those journeys uh, will also be part of the driver app. Then there would be certain benefits or add-on services which you will be giving to the driver community. Uh, For example, you provide certain loans uh, because you know how much money he is going to earn, you give advance salaries. And there can be a number of benefits that a company might be providing. So you also would be handling that experience on the app as well. So uh, let's 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 uh, think of uh, a Monday morning, uh, and the first thing that you do every Monday is meet some drivers, uh, and basically they are users, and uh, you talk. So how do you do research is basically you go and talk to them, understand uh, how, how have they been what what is their experience been with the company. And then you basically try to drill down a little more on a specific agenda if you have, so you. Then during this, so when you're sort of chatting with them and you talk to say 10, 15 drivers uh, on a Monday morning and then you come, come across an interesting insight which basically when the, some of the drivers actually mentioned that they used to get a lot of tips in cash but due to monetization, that num- number has gone down. So uh, as soon as you start identifying a pattern and you say, okay, five out of 10 people have already said this that saying, okay, hey, uh, my earnings for via tape has gone down. That sort of uh, clicks a question in your mind saying, okay, uh, is this a big enough problem? So there are certain questions that you will start uh, as soon as you listen to this and build a uh, identify insight. This will trigger for the first question that will come to your mind is how many drivers must be facing this issue? Is there a way you can validate saying, okay, what is the size of the problem and how is this a big enough problem? then how many customers would be willing to tip? So you then also have to think about how many customers would be willing to actually give a tip uh, and uh, how do you identify who are these people and is that a big enough use case again? And how much impact will it make? Uh, Will will we be able to increase the numbers, uh, number of customers that are, that used to tip and that will be tipping on the platform? Or will this actually help in increasing the retention of the driver? Because that's the primary metric that you would be driving. Uh, so, once you sort of, ha- now what you have done is you have basically identified a problem and you have built a hypothesis. Now, to answer some of these questions, there are more things that you will keep doing uh, with different teams as well. So, the next next thing that you will do is you will try to size the problem.
0: So, the, what is interesting here is um, there is a term in Japanese called go to Gamba. Uh, that basically means go where actually takes place. Uh, So this has come from the manufacturing domain where uh, they encourage management to go to the factory and uh, see how the worker's life is and what they are doing uh, rather than sitting uh, inside uh, glass doors and then trying to solve problems. So uh, what I hear from you is uh, probably you don't even know the problem statement initially and you go and start talking. And you may actually get cues of a possible problem which needs to be solved.
1: Correct. Correct. Absolutely. I think that's a uh, interesting phrase, Krishna. I think I'm going to stick it on my working desk, uh, go to Gamba. And I think uh, as a practice, uh, we generally, as a product manager, uh, I personally end up sort of getting involved in day-to other day-to-day activities so much that I say, okay, okay I keep delaying customer research, but I think uh, that's one thing which uh, even if someone is starting uh, their career in product, they should make it as a practice. And even if you keep growing in the career, even if it's a CPO or an associate product manager, everyone should still keep following this practice of being to their customers and go to Gamba.
0: Got it. Um, So what are the next steps now that you have, uh, you've got some inputs that there could be a possible problem.
1: So now, uh, now that we have identified a problem and we have built a hypothesis, uh, how do you, uh, the next step naturally is uh, you identify, you size the problem. So you, uh, you have done some uh, qualitative research and you have talked to some of the users. Now you find a way to figure out uh, how do you, how do you do this research on a quantitative uh, uh, scale, and how do you uh, get a good enough number on how many how many of the users and will be facing this issue, or how many users will get impacted, and then you size the problem accordingly. So primarily in this, you might have to work with the analytics team, uh, but there is some basic analyst analytics that uh, uh, a product manager should know, and I think. Be using your basic skills just to get a rough number if it makes sense to actually go deep on the problem or not you should be able to do it so that's where you connect the uh, primary scale of analytics or analytical thinking uh, to what we discussed in the first podcast
0: is there any thumb rule uh, to to ensure that you don't get into an analysis paralysis
1: Uh, so i think in general uh, we have to Again, do a quick understanding, do a quick uh, uh, back of the hand calculation and say, figure out. So, okay, for example, let's assume that uh, very common sense. If, for example, you would, you would be a consumer or you would say, think about saying, okay, how many customers. Uh, would be willing to pay say let's assume 10% that's a good enough number then you say okay okay, 50 rupees can be an average tip or 25 rupees can be an average tip so how would sort of will it end up making uh, very basic sense for the drivers as well and then you can say okay okay, this is good enough you keep you build a good case but you also then kick start saying okay how can you validate this by doing a quick experiment as well so I think the bias to action has to be high in general. Uh, and when you're sort of uh, trying to identifying a problem, generally we end up saying, que, okay, we will build a very big solution and we will see, uh, we will have to build a perfect product. What I would recommend is that you do a small experiment, do a very limited experiment, expose it to say 2% of the users. Is there a very uh, non scalable method or a way to actually uh, do an experiment and see, validate the hypothesis and see the impact. So, I think that bias for action has to be high, and you can just say, ki, okay, how do I validate this in the fastest or the shortest possible time by getting it live for my actual customers? So, I think as a thumb rule, you can always say, ask, your, ask yourself this question saying, ki, what is the shortest or the fastest route to get it out and do an experiment?
0: Got it. So, in this example that you were talking about, the driver uh, getting tips you said you'll have to speak to the analytics also to get some data so what kind of data would you be looking at
1: so so i think on this uh, primarily i think the first question that will come to my mind is uh, how many customers would be actually willing to pay a tip and uh, so so when you think about it right on a platform the first thing that you will see is. who are the generous customers and what are the indicators uh, you have in your system to identify that saying these are the possible or the highly probable uh, customers who will be willing to tip. So, so, for example, you can say that what is the percentage of users who give five ratings or even if six ratings, uh, uh, so they have a great experience and they must be willing to tip. Or customers who book cabs irrespective of the surge. So they don't care about uh, uh, how much surge it is and they are okay with uh, booking the cab irrespective of the surge. So they sort of don't have a very, uh, so they have a high high paying capacity or willingness to pay. I think that's a better word. Uh, where their willingness to pay is higher for booking a app, So they must be willing to, okay, shell out some of the money as tip as well and then you will always see that there will be some customers who will always be taking premium cabs irrespective of the economy ones so i think these are these can be good starting points to actually look at okay uh think from a customer point of view how many people how much money take certain assumptions and uh see uh, where you where do you get
0: it so once you build this case uh what happens next
1: so now uh, now what you have done is you have uh, sized the problem and this is good enough then you also parallelly identify or do some market research where you see what is the competition doing is your competition already running this product is anyone else in the industry doing something similar across the world or or you basically see that okay is tipping so for example if you are a cab uh, ag- aggregator and you see that tipping is already a norm and the experience is already set in the food industry so you do not have to reinvent the wheel so you see the experience what works best you try to find out people you know in that uh, uh, those companies and try to talk to them and learn from their experiences as well so that's where you sort of uh, identify the third step and you do some market research around this once you believe that this can be a big enough uh, uh, impact uh, so,
0: till now, you've been trying to, uh, you know, hypothesize and convince yourself whether there is a problem and you've correct. still not gone into the pure solution space.
1: Correct. Correct. correct absolutely. So, uh, I think in general, jumping into solutioning uh, will not give you these insights. And uh, if you sort of start immediately with solutioning, you might actually build a very uh, sort of one-dimensional product and you might not even think of saying, key, okay, how, how this product would have evolved or can evolve in the future as well. So what this does is it gives you a very broader understanding when you go a little deep on understanding problem and you keep questioning yourself why, 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 why. So that sort of broadens your uh, uh, perspective and then it also gives you, the market research also gives you understanding of what other people are doing so that you don't end up reinventing what other people have already done. So I think it sort of reduces the uh, margin of error. Got it. So, once you have done the market research, then you also uh, figure out the impact. That you have already in the sizing, you have also figured out the uh, impact of this on the driver earnings because at the end of the day, I am personally responsible or you are personally responsible for the, uh, overall driver experience. And I think that's also a lens that you should definitely look into it. Uh, once you, uh, build a case and say, okay, okay this is big enough, a problem. You go and pitch it to the manager, pitch it to your manager or the chief product officer, and you also pitch it to your business counterparts who basically are the operations counterparts in this case where you sort of give them an idea of saying, okay, Hey, I have an idea which can actually help you in- help increase uh, the retention of the drivers and uh, also increase their earnings as well. So that's where you sort of uh, discuss with uh, uh, the set of people and uh, then uh, answer the questions that they have and uh, you discuss the prioritization and align uh, on what is the primary or the first uh, product, what product you want to launch or uh, what is the experiment that you want to run. So once all these people are aligned and saying, okay, that. So the business counterpart who's going to sponsor it, uh, and the uh, uh, manager and the CPO are saying, "Okay, this is a good enough uh, problem to solve." You basically then say, "Okay, now we are done." Uh, that's where you start thinking of the solutioning bit. So till the time, uh, till this time, you were trying to basically figure out uh, the problem and trying to convince yourselves and everyone saying, "Okay, okay this is big enough a problem." And worth and going to impact the customers and the drivers as well. And uh, let's solve it.
0: Okay. Now, um, irrespective of whether it's a startup or a big company, resources are what is scarce. So you may have multiple ideas and hypotheses uh, and uh, information uh, similar to this case where probably let's say there are uh, three to four uh, products that need to be built and you take it to management. So is there any framework that can be used in order to prioritize?
1: So there are multiple frameworks uh, available in, I think you can just go and uh, do a Google search and figure out what are the different product prioritization frameworks. But uh, one good framework is uh, the ICE framework. So what is ICE? It is basically uh, impact, confidence and effort. So, and what you do is every project you try to boil down or bring it down to a a score uh, from say one to 10. And you then figure out saying, "Okay, impact out of uh, score 10." So, if, for example, there are four projects, uh, you basically score all of them based on impact. You take one reference, and then relatively, you keep on uh, putting an impact, uh, say on on driver earnings. If it's going to impact uh, the driver earning by rupees one per ride or rupees 0. 0.5 per ride, and accordingly, you basically rate it f- uh, between one to 10. That's the impact. Uh, Then you have confidence. So now based on your understanding and your experience as a product manager, uh, you basically put in a confidence number and say, okay, this, uh, you are confident that the impact that you have mentioned or the impact that you have predicted uh, is going to be sure short. So for example, you say, okay, only 5% of the customers, you assume that 5% of the customers are going to pay the tip, but only 2.5% did. So that's sort of a thing that you that will come with experience and you will get better at this confidence uh, score. But then you can actually based on your understanding, you can give a a confidence score. And then the effort score is basically the resources or the uh, engineering bandwidth that you're going to uh, put in. And then you have basically I impact uh, confidence and effort scores for each of them you multiply it by uh, so there are multiple approaches that people take people generally multiply uh, them together and divide by impact or uh, they generally do impact into confidence divide by effort to come up to a score uh, for prioritization this this is generally a directional uh, thing which will actually help you eliminate the bottom uh, the least confident ones or the least impact uh, uh, projects but Again, it will always also come to the uh, sort of intuition that you have as well. So it has to be a mix of intuition plus the score that you have uh, calculated. And then based on that, you can take a call saying, okay, the one with uh, high intuition and high, uh, high score is the one that the team should pick.
0: Got it. So um, what what I see is uh, we were talking about taking this initiative and, uh, you know, we finished analysis, market research, and then you're uh, pitching it to the management for uh, prioritization. So uh, it ideally isn't a single dimension, single thread. Uh, you need to look at what would happen even beyond your uh, current stage and then look at even what is the effort so that if at all, Uh, that is a point of discussion with the management. We should have a fair idea on what is the effort.
1: Correct. Correct. Absolutely. So I think... uh... Uh, So it it depends on when do you want to uh, sort of uh, take that call of prioritization and generally it's better to take that call as soon as possible in the uh, problem identification and uh, sizing stage where you uh, figure out saying okay this is a problem and then you build a very rough sense of calculating the score which will also require you to do, do a very broad uh, solutioning, and uh, because that's where your product experience comes in, right? Where you know how much effect, how uh, what all products will, what all flows will be impacted, and then how much effort will will this take. You don't have to go into granular details, but build a very broad understanding, and then. Say that okay. Uh, this is uh, how how much time it will take, and this is the I score. And then do the prioritization so that you don't invest bandwidth in uh, getting into designing and prototyping, and then doing doing user experience research, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's
0: so it, it's totally not a waterfall. You would keep iterating at uh, different levels of granularity, is what I hear from you. Right.
1: So uh, at the end of the day, so. Let's go a little deep, right? So now that you have identified where you basically want to take tips from the customer, there can be N number of places or nudges that you can do to take that tip. So probably once the the trip is completed, you can nudge them to pay. Or there are some, so if you see uh, the likes of the food ordering platforms, they now, uh, what they do is they see a trend saying, okay, you are going to tip every time. So they just reduce the friction and say, okay, add this tip every time in the next order. Once the order is delivered, you are nurse to actually, if you give a five star rating, you are to actually go ahead and tip the driver. So again, these are the, uh, possible nudges. And so you have always have to figure out what works best. And that's generally an iterative process. And you also have to go to the market fast. So you don't have to say, okay, okay I will build all the nudges and then go to the market. So I think you also have to figure out what is the minimum viable product, uh, which works for, uh, the customer for the company for the driver and then get it out and then keep adding on to it and keep iterating and finding what what works best
0: i think the two key things here is uh, what is the mvp and how do you run experiments and validate uh, before building big products which can scale
1: right. Right. got it and i think that is generally applicable for uh, all sides of companies if you are a startup i think your focus will be primarily on running a lot of exper- lot more experiments to figure out the uh, product market fit or figuring out uh, what your customers want and for a bigger company also it sort of reduces the uh, exposure to uh, failure as well and build the best product for the customers so you basically expose it to say 5% of the customers uh, learn uh, retrade and then go with the best product for the
0: masks the the challenge also in bigger companies as you become bigger is you are less ready to experiment in a small way probably a startup would uh, just use an uh, excel sheet or a whatsapp to communicate or you know different modes of very uh, rigorous manual labor to get an experiment we call it
1: the non, non-scalable ways so. yeah
0: the non-scalable ways whereas i whereas i've seen in big companies where uh, that's a big no-no and you have to uh, spend a lot of uh, product management and an engineering effort and uh, to see whether your product is going to bomb or not so i mean i I think those are the challenges as you keep uh, growing bigger anyway so coming back to our topic so let's say the management Mm -hmm. has given a go-aheads what happens
1: There's one point that I missed in the previous uh, uh, alignment uh, thing was that you also have to align the other product managers as well. So effectively, you are the product owner for the driver experience team, but then there is going to be an impact on the consumer experience and the consumer uh, journeys as well. So you basically also have to align the product team there and try to uh, get the overall prioritization done so that both uh, the deliveries of the consumer side and the driver side are in sync. So I think that's one important part. And when once that is done, you basically start working with the design team and effectively it has to be both flows where the consumer journey flows and the driver journey flows are also uh, going to be uh, going to work and uh, you build some hypothesis on and you build some prototype t- prototypes in the design. You have certain and shortlist. Maybe what you can do is you can shortlist three prototypes and say, okay, okay these are the po- best possible uh, prototypes which uh, you and the design team uh, think that okay these might work you then go and actually uh, go ahead and do this uh, user experience research which actual customers you show it to 50 customers and uh, do extensive uh, understanding of what are they thinking how did they respond to a different journey and uh, then based on that you so this is one of a prototyping approach and then you basically say, okay, okay, you have shortlisted the final two variants which you think might work and the customers like, then you can then say, okay, okay, this goes into my PRD as two variants of my experiment. So I think that's, that's, that's a very important point of doing prototyping rigorously, uh, you, doing user experience uh, uh, research rigorously and say, okay, okay identify the uh, journeys, show it to your customers see if they are going to uh, tip and uh, what is the uh, what, what are the different learnings that you have from that research
0: so once you've done the prototyping typically how do you do the ux research
1: so uh, the best way uh, in general is to go where the customers are so what you can do is you basically can if i if i would be doing this what i would do is i would go uh, uh, on a trip with a driver uh, on his all trips uh, where is picking up uh, his or her customers and I will then just talk to the customer and say, okay, I'm doing a research and while you write, why why don't you give me, I have a small prototype for you. Just use this app as you use our app and just keep speaking out loud and give some feedback uh, around this. I think that that would be the best uh, use of the customer's time and you will get great insights uh, from that research. That that That's what I would have done. If this is not possible, there are multiple ways that other people do what they generally do is they hire some of the best UX researchers because that's a very tricky thing to do because you generally end up getting biased. We might cover this as a different podcast altogether on how do you do UX research right. So I think that's in itself is a very tricky thing to do. but uh, what what the other method that I was talking about is basically you hire a UX researcher or if you have an in-house team, you get some of the customers to come to your office or a place where they are comfortable with. You do certain recordings around it and you basically see how are they reacting to the uh, app and you ask them general questions and show the app as well and show the experiences and then you generate insights out of it. So these are the okay. two broad uh, approaches that you can generate.
0: So where are we in the overall uh, product development uh, stage? So
1: right now we have sort of finalized what has to go. We have the designs and everything research done. Now this is where most of the most important task of a product manager goes is defining the requirements. So it is called a PRD, Product Requirement Doc. And that basically includes uh, uh, the user journeys, the consumers and the driver side codes, what are the different edge cases, uh, what are the uh, different workflows of payment as well? So, there is generally a perception. So, you you sort of define the copies. You define the complete experience as well. So generally, for example, in tipping, the uh, the uh, resistance is that will this money go directly to the driver? So, you then handle that with copy and saying that this money all money goes to the driver directly and no service charge is charged on this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you define some of the uh, Detail user stories as well, Uh, say what happens if a customer comes and says uh, that I want a refund of my tip. Do you want to support it? Do you want to allow that? How, till when do you want to allow it? Uh, After how much time do you want to sort of uh, uh, give the tipping option against the driver as well? Say uh, the trip completed today. Do you want to still show the tip tipping option after seven days or 10 days or 15 days? So you then okay. define all these scenarios in the app, uh, in, in the PR.
0: Okay. And uh, for those uh, of you who don't understand what he meant by copy, is uh, copy is the text that you see in the app.
1: It's the it's basically what your consumers read on the app.
0: So we have defined the PRD as of now. Now what happens after PRD?
1: So so I think one one important point in the PRD is you basically get take a sign off from all the stakeholders so for example you have put in some sizing around it you take a sign off from the analytics team you then interact with the business team so you give them a sign off saying okay we are going to do this and they are okay with the flows as well then you also take a sign off from the consumer product manager who because you are going to touch his or her flows because consumer journeys as well so whoever is going to be a key stakeholder in the PRD, you take a sign up from them. So you also take a sign up from the finance team where they are okay with the tipping thing and they are the finance flows and the payment of the tip to the driver is working smoothly and it is covered in the PRD. Then you also take a sign up from the legal team around if tipping or taking the tip online and passing it on is uh, is uh, legally allowed in that state and all the states etc cetera, etc cetera. so once that is done and all the sign-offs are done you basically then uh, get to so then it goes to in the queue of engineering where engineering uh, slots in the available bandwidth based on the prioritization overall priority of the project and then you do an engineering walkthrough uh, with the engineering managers and give them an idea of what is it and uh, what are the key things and uh, if there are any open questions, and it's basically a handover process. Basically you are sort of giving a product requirement to an engineering, uh, to the engineering team, and then they understand every bit of it. And then they say, okay, uh, I understand everything. And then there's a, sort of a handshake saying, okay, now I will take it up from here and I will do the uh, execution. So that's, 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 that's one of the, I think that's where your time. Uh, so handing it over to the engineering and then sort of keep on, uh, uh, getting the status updates and regularly interacting with engineering is where you will spend a lot of your time on a regular basis as well. So you will basically figure out are there any issues or are there any o- open-edge cases that you have missed and you will keep on interacting and answering the questions that keep coming with from engineering.
0: Yeah, you will have to keep monitoring the progress and um, as you were saying, there could be some technical challenges uh, in implementing a particular uh, uh, feature which the engineering may bring up.
1: I think so if you want to make friends, I think engineers are the best people to make friends.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In fact, when you discuss with engineering in the ICE framework, the E goes for a toss and we realize that we have to go back to the table, basically questioning the very basis of MVP and then looking at whether certain features can be scraped off. So that uh, we can make a quicker release. So,
1: okay. I think that's where a product manager's negotiation skills come into picture. <laughs> I think you will end up realizing that it's it's always a negotiation with an engineer where you keep on negotiating, saying, "Okay, what if I remove this and how much time will you take? Or what if I add this extra time? Can you please push this with push this extra feature within the uh, commentary time?" So, I think it's a never-ending negotiation that will keep on happening and then you will slowly get better at negotiations as well.
0: Yeah. In in this iterative world, we have to have strong convictions, Mm -hmm. loosely held, always ready to make a change as and when needed. So uh, once the engineering uh, solution is done, what happens?
1: So once the engineering solutioning is done and they come up with the tech design and uh, everything is uh, closed, so they, they then take it into execution and it's it becomes, uh, so basically then you also break, the engineering team generally breaks down the tasks into smaller tasks as well. Uh, and then you agree on deliverables uh, and then they basically get into sprints uh, and then they basically write, start writing code. and you at certain, at every frequency, you keep monitoring the progress. You can join the stand-ups if you want, and you, you can just follow the Slack channels where the progress is being uh, shared. Then once, and, and whenever there is some uh, demoable, I would say, or some uh, release that has happened, which can be shown to you, then the uh, engineering team with QA team will sort of give you a walkthrough of what, what which part of the uh, product or the project is actually ready for release and you can actually see the journey as well so what that does is key you can always keep seeing and if there are any minor altercations i would say no major altercations because that sort of uh, takes the product project off and you should never be in a situation where you have to do major altercations but if there are any minor issues or minor changes basic ux changes that you think should be done that that's the point of time where you can say okay we have seen the product and then in the in the next uh, uh, code release. PP we can do these minor changes as well. So that's where you sort of uh, that's the next process. And once everything is ready, uh, then parallelly in the PRD, or you have already thought through what is your go-to-market strategy. And if it's an experiment, or you want to release it directly to five percent of the users, or you want to expose it, expose it to ten percent of the users, you then basically go and act and get the release done based on your go-to-market strategy.
0: I mean, about the changes that you were saying, I think uh, it is super important that the PM works closely with the engineering team and asks the engineering team to Uh, show the demo at the end of every sprint because the challenge that i see is if the if the pm is uh, very pertinent to say that show me a demo once everything is done sometimes that may be too late for uh, course correction
1: absolutely i think this is what when when you this is what uh the iterative method helps and you basically keep on tracking the project progress every uh sprint so you are on top of it so i think that's what and that's where most of your time will end up going i think uh, a product manager is going to spend a lot of time doing this. Yeah.
0: So uh, specific to this example of uh, tipping, uh, can you tell me how the GTM would be done? Uh,
1: so, okay, so uh, let's assume that the primary in the first MVP you have uh, figured out or finalized the flow where once the customer actually gives a rating of 5 uh, to the driver, you then, then nudge them to actually go and uh, make a tip to the driver and Uh, So you have certain defaults and then there you have a custom uh, uh, tip option as well where the customer can actually go ahead and add a a specific amount and that tip goes to the uh, driver. So this is the journey that you are going to release in the first cut and you can also uh, then and you have also decided that you're going to have a critical mass which basically is 10% of your customers. uh, You're going to release it to them and then measure the success and measure the primary metrics and uh, validate if everything is going as per your uh, uh, expectation or is it is it within the ex- uh, approved limits of saying okay if there is a deviation of certain 20 percent, that is good enough and then you scale the experiment to uh, uh, a higher percentage so once everything when this, so this would be the first uh, go-to-market strategy, and then you keep uh, learning. You will have check metrics. You will have success metrics defined. And once the experiment is successful, then you roll it on to you keep rolling on, uh, increasing the percentage of people who will be seeing the feature. And then once you do hundred percent, it is it is sort of live for all the customers. Then you come back and say, okay, okay what was the second part of the uh, PR? So this was the first release. What are the other release, and then the same process continues for the second
0: release. at what point of time uh, does the whole team sit back and see whether there are any improvements that we need to do?
1: After every release, you should always keep talking to your customers. So call ten customers every day who have seen the uh, tipping feature request and try to understand what they think of. You, or you maybe go and again go back and sit in a cab with a driver and then ask the customers when the trip trip is completed. What do they think of it or see what they are doing? Don't even talk to them, just see what they're doing. So I think that sort of uh, helps you with the improvements, and then you take cues and then follow the same process that we started.
0: You spoke about success metrics and check metrics. Can you uh, just elaborate a little bit in this example? Sure.
1: Uh, so, I think when, when I think what was the primary uh, uh, reason that you were doing this right so from a matrix point of view what you were what you started with is basically how many drivers uh, how many uh, trips will the uh, tipping feature will be and what is the amount of money that uh, uh, that a driver is going to earn so that that would be a success metric so you have benchmarked a metric uh, which says ki, okay earnings uh, per trip per driver and uh, number of users who are basically uh, tipping it So if this is, is within the benchmark that you set, or it is basically performing better than you uh, defined, then you call this a success. If it is below, uh, below the permissible limit or below uh, a threshold, then you sort of go back on the drawing table and think about what is going on. Is the UX not going right or the uh, hypothesis or the sizing that you did was not right. So that's, that's what actually helps you. uh, do go a little deep and define the success of the feature or the uh, product that you released and uh, this is defined beforehand so in the prd you have to have success metrics clearly defined And how do you, how will you uh, at the end of the day you have to take a decision and call tell it to everyone saying you was the success or a failure so those do, do that's basically a success metric in this context the check metrics are basically the metrics that that should, that should sort of not, uh, it should not impact those metrics. So the feature that you're releasing should not impact those metrics. So for example, uh, one check metrics that, uh, that here you, in the tipping feature, it should be their driver retention. So if, for example, you have released a feature and the driver retention, because of this should not go. Beyond what is going on, so for example, your driver retention or the driver attrition is say five percent, and after releasing the tip feature, the drivers say, okay, okay, we are not getting tips anymore, and they leave the platform. Then that's a worry for you. So that's that's sort of an alarming uh, number, but that's that that is not going to define a success because the, it is not going to get impacted directly. But that's something which you should always keep a check on. So those are the type of metrics that you will define in this context as well, and these are again part of the uh, uh, part of the PRD when you are is uh, getting a sign-off from all the other stakeholders.
0: So I think you've kind of covered the whole uh, life cycle of uh, how a product has to be developed, at least at an L0, L1 level. Is there anything that we've missed that we need to add?
1: coming back to the frequency point that you might end up doing some of these things on a weekly or a bi-weekly or a monthly or a three month level as well so probably user research is something where you have to go out on field and talk to your drivers would be something that you will do say once in two weeks so these are overall things that and this is this this project would generally take a time of say around uh, three to four months to get it out in a uh, proper manner so We have tried to cram everything in one podcast, but overall, this is how it will look like. So you don't have to think, okay, so much work in a day or a week, I am not going to get into product. So don't worry about it.
0: (laughs) As we discussed in the last podcast, PM has to be, should be a go-getter. Yeah, I think
1: it should. uh, I think if someone's getting scared by listening to this, I think probably should rethink your decision of getting into product. (laughs) Yeah. you will always be in a firefighting
0: yeah because you, you're supposed to wear multiple hats you can never draw a boundary you'll always be a hustler so i think uh, we've uh, come to the end of the podcast if there are any suggestions suggestions in the way we have to cover this podcast or if you have any suggestions on content that we should uh, cover don't hesitate to reach out to us if you like this podcast please like and share it thank you very much
1: Thank you. Thank you everyone. Stay safe. Bye bye.